Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Wednesday's edition. I lost track of what day it is. Wednesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. Ah, okay. Good morning. I hope you guys had a wonderful long weekend. Unfortunately, Palmetto State Armory has ended their Labor Day deals. According to an email I received, maybe they'll extend them. Um, but I don't want to risk posting something that is not in stock or for the price that I quote you. So I'm just going to leave my general affiliate link in the show description so you can shop to your heart's content. Go find what you want. Use my link to do it. Let me help you arm yourself. Okay, so usually I try to start off my show with like wins in the gun industry, but there were two pretty major blows yesterday and disappointed is the best way that I know how to describe my feelings about it. Uh, You may or may not remember, but Rare Breed Triggers is a company that sold triggers that, according to the all-knowing government, make semi-automatic AR-15 rifles like automatic weapons. Like, they don't actually make them automatic. Daddy Gov says that likely misled consumers... And the devices are not, like, they misled the consumer that the devices were legal and continued selling them even after being warned by the federal government. Um, A federal judge in New York had ruled Tuesday and barred rare breed triggers from selling any more of its forced reset triggers until further notice, which is a huge blow to the company's defense against the government's civil fraud lawsuit, which is pending. The court concludes that the government is likely to succeed on the merits of its claims. U.S. District Judge Nina Morrison wrote, adding the company placed tens of thousands of their customers at risk of criminal prosecution and the loss of their right to own firearms. Rare Breed Triggers and its lawyers are obviously disappointed by the ruling, as is anyone who's following this case, and are considering how to respond. Uh, one of the com- uh, the company's lawyers, David Warrington, uh, noted that the ruling is not a final decision in a lawsuit. It's just a preliminary ruling made on a partial truncated record. Uh, this is just the beginning of a long fight, and Rare Breed is assessing its next steps. Federal authorities sued the company in January, alleging that its FRT-15 triggers qualify as illegal machine guns under federal law and regulations. The government's lawsuit seeks a permanent ban on selling the triggers. Rare Breed argues that the triggers are legal. The classification of Rare Breed's FRT-15 triggers as machine guns by the ATF is also being challenged in a lawsuit filed in Texas by NAGR, which is the National Association for Gun Rights. Forced reset triggers are among a 
number of accessories, including bump stocks, auto sears, uh, that supposedly increase the firing speed of semi-automatic firearms and have drawn concern from federal and local law enforcement officials worried about mass shootings and other gun violence. In court filings, the ATF said testing on rare breeds FRT-15s show their rate of fire can meet or exceed that of the military's M16 machine gun, which can fire 700 to 970 rounds a minute. The ATF says the triggers are machine guns because they fire more than one round with one pull of the trigger. Rare breed triggers, founded in Florida and now based in North Dakota, has sold about 100,000 FRT-15s since December of 2020, taking in $39 million in revenue, according to court filings. That sounds pretty common use to me, I'm just saying. In court documents, the company argues the ATF's classification of FRT-15s as automatic weapons is wrong, and it is. Federal officials say Rare Breed knew a predecessor of the FRT-15 had been classified as a machine gun, but went ahead and sold the triggers anyway, without asking the ATF to evaluate the devices. Um, free men don't need permission from the fucking government. The company said that it consulted with former ATF officials who said that they believed the triggers were legal. The ATF ordered the company to stop selling the triggers shortly after they hit the market. The ATF has been asking FRT-15 owners to voluntarily turn them over to the agency. In the New York lawsuit, the U.S. attorney asked for an order requiring the company to create a refund program for customers to return the triggers for cash, but the judge denied that request. At issue in the case is how to apply the National Firearms Act of 1934 as modified in 1968 and 1986. Oh, I know how you can apply it. You can apply it straight up your rectum and choke when it comes through your throat. I'm sorry, that was graphic. I hope your kids are not in the car with you while you're listening to today's show. The law currently bars the public from owning machine guns made in recent decades. It defines machine guns as firearms capable of firing more than one shot with a single function of a trigger. Rare Breed Triggers has argued that because it device its devices forces the trigger to return to the start position after each shot, it satisfies the requirement of one function per round. It's just astounding that these people believe they rule over us and that we answer to them. Whether these triggers function the way they say they do or not, and they don't, the idea that the government full-throated makes the argument that they have the right to carry automatic weapons, but the citizenry doesn't, is something that doesn't surprise me. It just disappoints me that anyone listens to them. Um, In a story that went pretty viral in our little quarter of Twitter yesterday, the Hodge twins put out a tweet that stated, quote, 
Last week, a friend of ours was raided by the feds over January 6th. His name is Nathan Hughes, and he's from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Nate was raided by the FBI and arrested at gunpoint. His girlfriend, who just had a miscarriage, was held at gunpoint and put in handcuffs. The FBI turned off his security cameras, unplugged his internet, and flipped his house upside down in a search. The feds called the manufacturer of his Liberty gun safe and got the passcode to get into it, too all for protesting at the Capitol over two and a half years ago. He's being charged with crimes related to January 6th. He didn't assault anyone. He didn't vandalize anything. He's being labeled as a domestic terrorist and traitor to his country by woke leftists and the media. Nate is just like us. He's an outspoken American patriot. He loves freedom, loves his country, and would do anything to preserve our rights. He's been fighting to save our country for years now. He's also a small business owner with a family that relies on him. We all know how heated this political climate is getting, but they've pushed too far, and it's time for people to speak up for people getting screwed by this system. Black Lives Matter and Antifa can go burn down our cities and get off the hook, but Trump supporters get raided and rounded up for protesting. Shortly following this, Liberty Safes put out a statement confirming that they did in fact comply with the feds and give up the code to their clients safe. Their statement said, On August 30th, 2023, Liberty Safe was contacted by the FBI requesting the access code to the safe of an individual for whom they had a warrant to search their property. Our company protocol is to provide access codes to law enforcement if a warrant grants them access to a property. After receiving the request, we received proof of the valid warrant, and only then did we provide them with an access code. Liberty Safe had no knowledge of any of the details surrounding the investigation at the time. Liberty Safe is devoted to protecting the personal property and Second Amendment rights of our customers and has repeatedly denied requests for access codes without a warrant in the past. We do not give out combinations without proper legal documentation being provided by the authorities. We regularly update our policies to ensure both compliance, love that fucking word, with federal and state law, and reasonable consumer privacy protections within the law. First and foremost, Liberty Safe is committed to preserving our customers' rights, and we will remain unwavering in those values. Yeah, you preserved his rights so hard in this scenario. Okay, so after reading Liberty's statement, I decided that I wanted to dig just another layer deeper and find out what exactly did Nathan do according to the government. According to the DOJ's website, he has been arrested on felony and misdemeanor charges related to the breach of the Capitol on January 6th. His actions, supposedly, again, this is all from the DOJ's website, and the actions of others disrupted a joint session of the U.S. Congress convened to ascertain and count the electoral votes related to the 2020 presidential election. 
Nathan Hughes, who is 34 years old of Fayetteville, Arkansas, is charged in a criminal complaint filed in the District of Columbia with a felony offense of civil disorder. Felony offense of civil disorder. In addition to the felony, Hughes is charged with misdemeanor offenses of entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, disorderly and disruptive content, I'm sorry, conduct in a restricted building or grounds, and impeding passage through the Capitol grounds or buildings. He was arrested on August 30th in Fayetteville and made his initial appearance today in the District of Arkansas. According to court documents, video footage obtained from law enforcement depicting the events at the Capitol shows an individual that has was later identified as Hughes as present in the vicinity of the Lower West Terrace tunnel for at least an hour. Hughes wore a black, dark blue, and camouflage print hat with a frayed brim, distinctive black mechanics gloves, a gray hooded sweatshirt, and a black InfoWars branded shirt with an image of a space shuttle and the word Space Force Established 2020 written on it. I, anyway. Court documents say that at various points, Hughes pushed against the police line in the tunnel and helped other rioters physically fight police in an attempt to breach the line and enter the U.S. Capitol building. So it doesn't say that he physically fought police. It says that he helped other rioters physically help fight the police, which I thought was very bizarre wording. At approximately 3.15 p.m., Hughes was at the mouth of the tunnel and signaled the crowd of rioters, come on, come on, while waving his hand in the direction of the tunnel. After signaling to the crowd, Hughes entered the tunnel and charged toward the police line. You mean a police line that was preventing citizens from exercising their First Amendment right to petition the government for a redress of grievances on a day? That the Capitol building was open to the public? The same public that owns that building? I'm sorry. I digress. Inside the tunnel, Hughes continued to signal others to enter and confront the police line. Hughes then stood shoulder to shoulder with others and began to rock back and forth in a synchronized movement with the crowd. At about 3.15, Hughes assisted the mob with forcefully removing police riot shields and passing them out of the tunnel. Hughes also personally attempted to forcefully pull away police shields and pass them out of the tunnel back to the other rioters. At approximately 3.19, Hughes was being forced out of the tunnel by police he was obs- he was observed using his elbow to strike in the direction of the police it does not indicate or imply that he made any connection but he he moved his elbow in a direction to strike i mean this could be 
I put my arm up to like shield my face and that's my elbow going in the direction of police. It's so anyway, after he was pushed out of the tunnel, Hughes remained in the vicinity of the tunnel for at least 90 minutes, encouraging other rioters to quote, pull them out. Earlier in the day, Hughes had witnessed the mob forcibly pulling police officers from the tunnel and into the crowd. This case is being prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office for D.C. and the Department of Justice National Security Division's Counterterrorism Section. Valuable assistance was provided by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Western District of Arkansas. This case is being investigated by the FBI's Little Rock and Washington Field Offices, with valuable assistance provided by the U.S. Capitol Police and the Metropolitan Police Department. I, I mean, I wish Liberty would have given pushback and not released the code, but I can understand why they did. The real problem is that the FBI is so busy hunting down its own citizens who protested during January 6th, they've allowed Chinese nationals to sneak onto military bases and other sensitive U.S. sites more than 100 times in recent years. This has sparked federal investigations into spying, according to a report that came out on Monday. Alarming cases, including people crossing into a U.S. missile range in New Mexico, scuba divers swimming near a rocket launch site, um, and Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Some have also used drones to take detailed aerial footage of sensitive military sites. While the Pentagon confirmed cases of people speeding through security checkpoints, Many would-be intruders, however, claim to be confused tourists who think they have a reservation at an on-base hotel, and they often use what appears to be scripted language when confronted by security. Multiple federal agencies, including the DOD, I'm sorry, the Defense Department, the FBI, and other agencies, held a review last year on how to limit the attempts, which officials said are viewed as a form of espionage. Congress might also consider legislation. Uh, There's a representative out of Colorado, uh, Jason Crow, and he said, you know, how to toughen up security is handled at the sensitive sites with trespassing laws currently being state and local, not federal. We need to work closely with our state and local partners to train them up and equip them, Crow said. Right now, they don't know how to deal with it. Many involved are assumed to be Chinese nationals pressed into service and required to report back to Beijing about what they saw, did, that kind of stuff. The advantage the Chinese have is they're willing to throw people at intelligence collection in large numbers. Um, a secondary advantage they have includes the fact that they can easily blend into the melting pot of the United States. And if a few of them get caught, it'll be really difficult for the U.S. government to prove anything beyond trespassing. 
and those who don't get caught are likely to collect something unusual. Other instances of Chinese nationals entering highly sensitive areas include apparent incursions at the White House, former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Officials said Chinese nationals posing as tourists left the designated tour area of the White House to take pictures of the grounds, including communications gear and the positions of Secret Service personnel, before being shooed away. And in 2019, a Chinese woman was sentenced to eight months in prison after being convicted of unlawfully entering Mar-a-Lago. She had two passports on her at the time, four cell phones, and other electronic devices. In many of these cases, those who have been found trespassing on bases have been briefly detained and then escorted out of the country. No cases appear to have resulted in any espionage charges being filed. But in 2019, two Chinese nationals were expelled from the U.S. on suspicions of espionage after they drove with their wives onto Joint Expeditionary Base Little Creek in Virginia, which is a highly sensitive military facility where the Navy SEALs train. Base officials pulled a fire truck into the road to stop the vehicle in that particular case. Pentagon spokesperson Sue Gao, or Go, however you say her name, stressed that the incidents are, quote, generally low level. And so far, none of them indicate espionage. There are more than 10,000 controlled turnarounds of individuals who arrive at military base gates every day, she said. Most of them, though, Involve drivers who are just confused about where to go and are turned around without incident. But in some cases, the individuals gained access to a base by, quote, speeding through security checkpoints, warranting additional checks and triggering an investigation. Those individuals are often cited criminally and barred from future installation access and escorted off the base. She noted, the Department of Defense has conducted a number of security reviews since 2018, some of which have been conducted with other agencies. One such review last year focused on the physical security of nearly 1,400 gates at U.S. military bases and other aspects of base security. The results of the reviews have and will continue to inform changes to the protective posture of our bases she said. It doesn't tell us how many violations were included. Um, The report comes just one month after two Navy sailors were arrested for allegedly conspiring to pass sensitive security information to Chinese officials. Still, Chinese embassy in Washington is denying any espionage efforts. The relevant claims are purely ill-intentioned fabrications. Spokesperson Liu Pengyu told the journal, We urge the relevant U.S. officials to abandon this Cold War mentality. Stop groundless accusations and do more things that are conducive to enhancing mutual trust between the two countries and friendship between the people. 
Okay, so this next story, I'm not even, like, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not sure how to even feel about the way that this story is written and this particular situation from a checks and balances perspective purely. Federal judges, so this is the judiciary, said Tuesday they will draft new congressional lines for Alabama after lawmakers refused to create a second district where Black voters at least came close to comprising a majority, as suggested by the court. In blocking the newly drawn congressional map, did you hear that word? Congressional map. The three-judge panel wrote they're deeply troubled that Alabama lawmakers flouted their instruction to create a second majority black district or something close to it. The panel directed a court-appointed special master to submit three proposed new maps by September 25th. The law requires the creation of an additional district that affords black Alabamians, like everyone else, a fair and reasonable opportunity to elect candidates of their choice. Isn't that what you do when you vote? You go cast your ballot for your person and either they win or they don't. I'm sorry. Anyway, the 2023 plan plainly fails to do so, the judges wrote in the ruling. Alabama indicated in a court filing that it will ask the U.S. Supreme Court, which previously upheld the panel's findings in the case, to put the order on hold while it appeals, according to a court filing. Quote, while we're disappointed in today's decision, we strongly believe the legislature's map complies with the Voting Rights Act. And the recent decision of the U.S. Supreme Court, Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall's office said in a statement, the Republican-controlled Alabama legislature hastily drew new lines this summer after the Supreme Court in June upheld the panel's finding that the map that one that had one majority black district out of seven in a state where 27% of the population are black likely violated the U.S. Voting Rights Act. The three-judge panel in striking down Alabama's map in 2022 said the state should have two districts where black voters have an opportunity to elect their preferred candidates. Because of racially polarized voting in the state, the map would need to include a second district where black voters are the majority or something quite close, the judges wrote. Alabama lawmakers in July passed a new map that maintained a single majority black district and boosted the percentage of Black voters in another district, District 2, from about 30% to almost 40%. We are not aware of any other case in which a state legislature, faced with a federal court order declaring what that its electoral plan unlawfully dilutes minority votes and requiring a plan that provides an additional opportunity district, 
responded with a plan that the state concedes does not provide that district. The group of black voters who filed one of the two lawsuits that led to the order likened Alabama's defiance to the case to that of segregationist Governor George Wallace, who unsuccessfully tried to defy court orders to desegregate. Our nation's highest court required Alabama to draw a map to fairly represent black voters, yet the state refused. Alabama openly admits its intention to defy the law and the U.S. Supreme Court, but we will not back down, the plaintiff said in a statement. In a hearing last month, all three judges pointedly questioned the state's solicitor general about the state's refusal to create a second majority black district. Alabama argued the map complied with the Voting Rights Act and the Supreme Court decision in the case. The state argued that justices did not require the creation of a second black majority district, if doing so would mean violating traditional redistricting principles, such as keeping communities of interest together. They said District 2 is as close as you're going to get to a second majority black district, without violating the Supreme Court's decision, the Solicitor General said during oral arguments. The responsibility for drawing new proposed lines will fall to the appointed Special Master Richard Allen, who previously worked for several Alabama attorneys general. The court has once again confirmed that Black voters deserve two opportunity districts. We look forward to ensuring that the special master draws a map that provides Black voters with the full representation in Congress that they deserve. I I just, I, I don't understand. I thought we were, this was like equality, right? Like I thought that, I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I don't understand this. This seems like we're moving to equitable change not equal rights. Like, this is so bizarre to me. Anyway, the Alabama ruling and the effort to get the case back before the Supreme Court comes as redistricting cases play out in Georgia, South Carolina, and elsewhere. The direct quote is, what happened in Alabama this summer underscores the necessity for the judiciary to continue to be unwavering in its obligations to enforce the critical protections of the Voting Rights Act in order for justice to ultimately prevail, said former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, who is the chairman of the National Democratic Redistricting Committee. Color me fucking shocked. That moving into an election year, Eric Holder is part of the redistricting committee for the National Democratic Party. Oh, man. Okay. No matter how many times Corinne Jean-Pierre comes on television to tell us how much progress this administration has made and how great we're doing, Americans seem to know that she's full of shit. Normally, I don't like going through numbers when I do a morning show because it becomes tedious and nobody's really paying attention anyway. Um, to the numbers, I mean. Uh, today, 
I'm going to because the president's messaging on quote-unquote Bidenomics is not having the effect on Americans that he thinks it does. Uh, According to some polling that was released on Labor Day, only 37% of voters approve of President Biden's handling of the economy. And I want to meet these 37%. Like, what what life are you living that you approve of the economy right now? While 59% disapprove. According to, uh, this is a Wall Street Journal telephone and text-to-web survey of 1,500 registered voters. This was conducted between August 24th and 30th, and only 34% of respondents said that they approve how Biden is handling inflation and rising costs, compared to the 63% who say that they disapprove. 63% of the country disapproves of the way the president is handling inflation and rising costs. As for job creation, voters were evenly split. 47% say they approve. 47% say they disapprove of the Biden's leadership on the issue. The poll results were released the same day that Biden once again touted the supposed success of Bidenomics since taking office. Wages are growing faster than inflation, folks. This just didn't happen together. Decades of handing out excessive tax cuts to the rich and corporations without making the investments in America and the American people. That had been a bust. We're changing that. Replaced the trickle-down economics with what everyone on Wall Street is referring to these days as Bidenomics. And guess what? It's working. The poll, however, shows that 58% of respondents say the economy has gotten worse over the last two years, whereas only 28% say that it has gotten better. Nearly three in four say inflation is headed in the wrong direction. The journal also found that 51% of voters said Trump had a record of accomplishments as president while only 40% could say the same for Biden. Uh, By a 10-point margin, 46% of respondents say that Trump is mentally up for another term, while only 36% said so for Joe Biden. He walked off the stage from a Medal of Honor ceremony today. Like, in... He hung the medal on the man's neck and walked out the door. Didn't even stay for the rest of the the ceremony. It's the most disrespectful and insane thing that I have ever seen a president do. And I I don't know how anyone thinks that he is mentally capable of, of going for another term. But anyway... Uh, There's only a three-year age difference between Trump and Biden. And let me find my place again. Uh, 73% of voters consider the 80-year-old Biden too old to run for president, while only 47% of voters think the same for Donald Trump. 52% of voters say that they believe Trump has a vision vision for the future. 44% say that they thought Biden had a vision for the future. He has a vision, all right. Like, it's in the toilet, but he's got vision. 
Meanwhile, 48% view Biden as a likable person, while only 31% think that Trump is likable. That is an interesting uh, dichotomy. 45% viewed Biden as honest. Oh, man. Compared to 38% for Trump. Senate Republican leadership released a report in July showing inflation has soared by 16.6% since Biden took office. Grocery prices have increased by 20%. According to my numbers, it's actually 28%. Citing Bureau of Labor Statistics data, while energy prices have increased 38% as of July, Prices rose by 3.2% on average over the last 12 months. The CPI is expected to release on September 13th. That is your Wednesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. We will be doing book club this evening. I don't remember what chapters, but it's through chapter 20, I think. Um... And we're reading Mongol Moon right now. So that's 1015 Eastern Standard Time on Twitter Spaces. If you would like to join us for Book Club. Otherwise, I will see you on Friday morning. You guys take care and have a wonderful day. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.